And, um, and I think it is, it's something that I've been learning a lot about um, recently. I've just been thinking about preaching styles and how we preach. And uh, some people call what you do uh, on a Sunday, oh, is it seeker-friendly? Or which means like it's very accessible to everybody who comes in? Or is it, um, or is it kind of strong theological teaching? So the, the, the people put those kind of two against each other. But what I'd love us to do as a church is to, and I've just invented this, so copyright uh, 2023, is um, follower-friendly teaching. I would love for us to take our teaching, whatever we get here, we can learn whatever we like from this place, from this place, if we ever stand up there again. Um, we can learn whatever we like from there. But if we don't do something about it, it is absolutely pointless. <laughs> it's absolutely pointless. Um, and I think I, I, for one, know so much. And one, the, I, I did three years of theology, and the, the thing that sticks in my memory most from that time was um, just an off-the-cuff statement from um, a, a, a vicar who came from the States and was teaching um, on the side uh, in, in the college. And he just said, we know so much more as Christians in the West than we're able to live into. We know so much more than we're able to live out in our daily experience. And if, 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 if I was asked um, all the stuff I knew and had to write it down and had the time and headspace to do it, it would be a very, very, very long list. Um, if I had to tick uh, those learnings and say, these are things that I've, I've applied in my life and I'm living out, it would be a much shorter list, I'm afraid, because there's a lot of hard work that needs to be done in there. So that is my hope, is that we, we could have kind of follower-friendly learning. So things that, things that engage us, things that uh, challenge us in our own walk exactly where we're at, pieces of bite-sized knowledge that we can then digest and use uh, to, to, uh, to take into action. So uh, I've just done some training um, in, in um, what's it called, leadership stuff. And they are, uh, this is like, uh, it was gifted to us. So it's like 3,500 pound training over the course of five days. Uh, and I thought, wow, that's a lot of, for you guys in business, that's nothing. But, but what they were doing uh, was teaching us about bite-sized knowledge. You think there's going to be this huge thing of, you know, you pay all this money, but it was bite-sized knowledge. They give you something that then you literally go and you practice it in that moment. It cements it in, in how you're able to, to engage with it in such a more dynamic way. So that is my hope and prayer for how we can engage with any learning we take from the Bible is that it will change our behavior, it will transform our hearts, and it will lead to some sort of meaningful action. Because I think that's how Jesus did it. So, without any further ado, uh, the, what, we, what I'd like us to do today is a bit of bite-sized learning, but it's more of a, a bite-sized relearning. Um, because, and I'm going to ask this question, who here golfs? Anyone? Anyone golf? Only Simon. Really? Or are you just all ashamed to say? So Simon, did you learn as, as a, a young one or did you learn later in life? You were 23. Okay, so it, I, I, have, I, I learned young and I watched somebody learn when they were much older 
And it is painful to watch somebody trying to learn golf as an older person because they have to unlearn so much about the golf game. Simon will tell you it's a very awkward grip to take. That everything about it is unnatural. Um, and if, if you didn't learn as a child, learning as an adult is incredibly painful for those people who are watching on because it looks awful and they often miss the ball. Um, and but um, that is what we're going to be doing today, is a bit of relearning. I think when we approach the scripture, and especially around Christmas, we approach it as an elderly golfer who has never golfed before, uh, because we have a lot of layers of things, 20 centuries of layers of uh, kind of our own preconceptions of what the story means, what it looked like, who the characters were in reality. And so uh, there, there needs a real relearning. Actually, I, it's so much so that I, I was at a tattoo parlor. Hopefully, mommy uh, isn't listening right now. Um, but um, I, I was at a tattoo parlor the other day, and a guy was getting a tattoo, uh, a massive tattoo, on his arm. And we were talking about faith stuff, as you do. And, um, and he said, oh, I think, this, I think this is Mary on my arm. I said, well, you don't even know what you're getting on your arm. But it's so much uh, that Mary is so much a part of our kind of cultural understanding that people get them tattooed to, on their arm without even knowing actually who it is. So we're going to look at Mary and try and get to see who she actually was. An immersive relearning of uh, who Mary was. So, the first question, I'd, and then we're going to get into scripture, the first question I'd love for you to think about, and um, this is one to either reflect on on your own in, in quiet a kind of reflection, or to chat to the person next to you if you're an external processor, and it's this, when you think of Mary, Mary the mother of Jesus, when you think of Mary, who comes to mind? Not a person to compare to, but who comes to mind? Is things about character, about personality, about... Um, and this, this is not looking for the right answers. This is being honest about what is the perception within your own heart about who Mary was. Who comes to mind? So at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord could come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is he, blessed is she, who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So that's the first section. I'm going to look at the next section um, in a moment. But so we take off from uh, the angel. Gabriel meets Mary and gives her this amazing uh, word that, um, that if it's fulfilled, um, it would just be life-changing, not for her, but for the whole uh, nation of Israel. That's probably how she saw it. She wouldn't necessarily have seen the impact it would have had on every generation since or, um, and every nation of the world. But she would have seen the significance of the Messiah being um, promised to come through her. And so, in wisdom, I think, perhaps also prompted by God's Spirit, uh, she went to her older and, uh, and therefore often uh, wiser, and she knew very devout 
kinsperson, it doesn't say whether she's a cousin or an auntie, uh, but somebody related closely enough to her that she could go unannounced and just kind of spend, uh, spend well, I think three months with her. So, so if, do you have any relatives that close? I'm not sure. That might not exist anymore. But, uh, but she had, uh, whoever Elizabeth was to her, she knew that she would be a source of encouragement, a source of kind of uh, good theological understanding and would be able to, to help Mary through this kind of incredible time uh, which um, she never imagined would happen to her. So she gets there and, um, and I'd like us to, um, to reflect first on that journey because we're going to try and take an immersive experience of relearning this, this passage. So Mary finds out all this news, which would have been terrifying. We, t we already talked about the fact that she could have been stoned for it. Um, and uh, we have uh, then her decision to go and see Elizabeth for some comfort. I, I, I'd love us to just reflect quietly to ourselves on this question. What, what would be going through her mind in that journey to the Ju Judean hillside um, so that she's she's heard from the angel Gabriel she has all these things going on in her mind as she travels she doesn't have an iPhone to distract her she doesn't have people in the train carriage uh, being annoying and talking on speakerphone loudly to friends uh, um, she's there with her own thoughts what would be those thoughts that she would be dealing with just just a moment, pause and reflect on that in the quiet. So hold those thoughts uh, in mind, those questions, those concerns, um, maybe. And, and I'm going to read verse 41 again. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Was holding all those questions in your mind. You see the significance of this. I think if we read it through in one, uh, one go, it just feels like this long, blurry story. But we see Mary's uh, obedience to God, her willingness to say, um, let me get it right, when she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then her carrying that burden alone, that sense of, I'm willing, Lord, but uh, this is absolutely terrifying. This is absolutely, um, I have no context in which to understand uh, this news. Then going to someone she knew would be some sort of support and help, some sort of guidance. Perhaps uh, she was going there to see, um, to be corrected by Elizabeth. Maybe she felt like, oh, Elizabeth will set me straight. This is too wild. This cannot be true. Maybe she had her doubts that she carried with um, as she went to Elizabeth. But then we, she got further confirmation that actually what, what the angel said to her was right. And that God had this amazing plan for her. So now I'm going to uh, read what is the Magnificat. So it's, uh, it's used um, in lots of, well, often you know, it's used as a song, it's used as a prayer. Um, but this is Mary's response to 
this second confirmation that God is going to do these amazing things that he said. Um, and uh, this is her response. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. See, in that context of, of this emotional roller coaster that we see Mary uh, going on, um, we see here this amazing response uh, of praise that, that the church has carried um, through into all sorts of different um, ways of using it in worship. Um, but what I would, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read uh, a quote from N.T. Wright on this because I just thought it was a really beautiful um, summary of what her song uh, ends up doing. And then I'd love us to, and maybe Mary could help me, um, do the thing that you're going to help me do. She knows. Um, it's... Uh, so this is N.T. Wright, who writes fancy books. Um, it, he says this. This is the gospel before the gospel. It's a fierce, bright shout of triumph. Thirty weeks before Bethlehem, thirty years before Calvary and Easter, goes with a swing and a, a clap and a stamp. It's all about God. It's all about revolution. And it's all because of Jesus. Jesus, who's only just been conceived, not yet born, but who has made Mary giddy with excitement and hope and triumph. So we see in, um, in her response, not just something that is about uh, her, her, the experience that she's having and the confirmation that she's had um, through Elizabeth, but the, the wider impact of what uh, this, this promise that was given to Mary. And, um, and so I'd love for us to do, um, to look at this passage a bit more in depth. And um, come remind me the questions that. So Mary's gonna help me do what we call a dialogical preaching on this passage. Um, and I'm gonna grab the, uh, the notebook. So I think maybe I'll read out the passage again. And um, We did it a few weeks ago, me and my dad. So basically, I'll read out the passage, and then we'll have a few minutes of just quietness. And in that quietness, just the hope, we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit just sort of talks to us. And 
there's two questions that are quite helpful to have in your mind. Which part, when I read it, um, where is the Holy Spirit, uh, dis what is it disrupting in your heart? So what is it in your spirit that it's just feeling like disruptive? I don't know what the word is. But, um, and then the next question is, what is the Holy Spirit confirming in your heart? So um, shall I just do the Mary song bit? Okay, so I'll read it out and then let's just have some quiet and we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit just talks to us and then we'll see what the Holy Spirit says. So dear Jesus, Holy Spirit, we just thank you, Lord, that it's all about you. And we pray, Father God, that you would just drop in our minds right now. Talk to us. Talk to us as a church. Talk to us individually. Holy Spirit, you are here and we love you. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Let's be brave and let's, um, let's speak out if we feel like the Holy Spirit maybe has nudged something in your heart or moved something in your spirit. Um, we'd love, I'd love it if you could share and, um, and I'm sure it'll be an encouragement to all of us. So I'll just write down some stuff if, if people feel. So is there anything that the Holy Spirit has just niggled in your, in your heart or something that has yeah, disrupted or challenged you, yeah, in that passage. Who's going to go first? Thanks, Mary. Um, yeah, even before the passage from N.T. Wright was, was read, I just felt, you know, convicted about this, this beautiful kind of um, foreshadowing of Jesus' life. So Mary's almost foretelling Jesus' life in, in, in this in her experience like when you talked about kind of like what is about Mary well she's so vulnerable she's so young she's so kind of you know it's almost she hasn't got any agency any power in her situation and that just so foreshadows like Jesus on the cross you know you feel he's like a victim he's kind of like all these things but she willingly accepts that in the same way that Jesus does and the whole of this Magnificat is effectively a fore echoing of what Jesus willingly does for his father 
And it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. If you take that Magnificat and you just apply those words to Jesus' ministry and him on the cross, then you can kind of basically, you can directly link her kind of like prayer to what he achieved on the cross. And even before, you know, anti rights kind of thing was exactly it. It was like, you know, this effect of this, this, this prophecy. It's like Isaiah's prophecy about Jesus, but it's like Mary's prophecy about what her son's going to do before it even happens. It's, it's very beautiful. So. Thank you, Toby. Anyone else who wants to be brave and um, what did the Holy Spirit disrupt in their hearts? Hi. Hi. I've never spoke before, so this is a big deal. But um, I have felt this sort of, as you said, it was the right word you used, um, and the word is trust. Because I absolutely would never have the trust she had it's actually quite amazing. I, think I, I, don't, I know I can expand on this further, and I'm sure you can, but I don't have the words. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Yes, trust. Oh, it's powerful. Oh. Anyone else feel like the Holy Spirit did something in their hearts? Oh, yeah. I was struck by her praise and that her first comment was praise and wonder and giving glory to God and giving glory to God in not the easiest circumstances and I, I was really that that kind of just got me thinking how much do I moan and complain and um, gripe about my scenario and and her first but her first thing to turn to was praise and wonder and glory so challenging. Love that. Yeah. Raise your hands if you, anything else that just disrupted you or stood out to you. Or, or the next question, which was, um, yes. Just one thing. Um, to me, what, what struck me is the Magnificat didn't come out of nowhere because actually she was this vulnerable girl. I don't think she told anybody yet. The angel had told her that Elizabeth was miraculously pregnant. And so I think when she went on that journey, and it was quite a long journey, to visit Elizabeth, it was to just check what Elizabeth could explain to her and whether this was like really true or really from God. Or, But in a way, when Elizabeth said that the baby left in her womb and then she, she, she expressed, uh, you know, uh, the miraculousness of, of Mary's situation, then I think it helped her to come forth with this sort of praise. Yep. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and what about if, like, in this time, what do you th is, has the Holy Spirit just moved in your heart just sort of co to confirm something in your own life or... I love this roaming mic. This is so fun. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, think, I think for me it's, um, you know, this passage is, uh, you know, obviously she is pregnant and, and she's going to, you know, give birth to our kings. And uh, I think it's, it's reminding me that sometimes we, we're waiting for something to happen 
and and uh, we we forget that you know God is here and and God wants us to rejoice you know now and and not waiting that things happening you know for us to rejoice so I think it's 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 the importance of you know rejoice always um, and and don't wait um, you know um, I, I think Jesus you know God is faithful so don't wait for it yeah rejoice always anyone else Ooh, yes many um, I was just struck by she refers to herself kind of in three parts doesn't she so there's the soul she refers to her soul and then her spirit and then obviously her flesh conceiving Jesus and I just was struck by that's quite interesting because obviously the Trinity of God the Trinity and then she's referring to herself in three parts as well and I just thought oh that's quite interesting I don't know if there's anything in that but that's so interesting I didn't notice that many like a little theologian here um, one of the things that struck me was um, similar to what we were saying about the parallel of Jesus and Mary, you were saying about um, comparing them, and when is it? Mary says, "What did what did Mary say? I am the Lord's servant, or whatever." Yes. But before last week, I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. The, like the, I think what the Holy Spirit was, or something struck me is that when Jesus was just about to die, and he's in the um, Garden of Gethsemane, and he's this, this you know this massive things about to happen. It was just interesting that comparing those two things. His answer was more, you know, I actually don't want this, but your will be done. And I just thought it was so interesting that Mary wasn't like that. It was like I'm yes, whereas Jesus, like it's all about Jesus, whereas he was like, I don't want this, but your will be done, not my will, but your will be done, to, about God. And I just, it kind of challenged me, I thought. Um, but yeah, her willingness to submit, I love that. Anyone else? Yes. yes. It's like a little morning exercise for me. I was just struck by, um, he has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Um, and the feeling that I am often so full with other stuff that there's no space for God to put anything else in me. Um, and I've almost got to empty myself before I can receive everything he wants to give me and be filled. I almost need to become hungry to be filled. And that's really resonated with the theme of there is no room in the inn. Um, there's no room in my life for Jesus to come and this is the season of welcoming him into our lives and so for me the, the real challenge I felt this morning and again these words is how will I fill, create space in my life for Jesus to come in Wow, thank you Matthew that's amazing Uh, it's just really interesting because those were the words that like really landed with me as well and I felt a bit like actually quite challenged by in, in the sense that you know we often talk about in, in the Bible you know 
God will satisfy our, our hunger. Um, and I was just thinking about how often, you know, guiltily I pray for provision and for the sort of, that, that sort of, I suppose, material kind of like things. And I was very challenged to think about, well, maybe, maybe how often do I come to God like hungry, you know, for actual sort of, to be filled spiritually? How often do I come to God hungry for his word? Like, you know, and that was, that was, that's what landed with me on that. So it was really interesting that you had the same. Yes, absolutely. And this is such a good practice as just sitting with one passage and just going through it slowly and asking these questions. And we can do this in our own time at home. And um, yeah, great. Yes, and Nate can now summarize. Thanks, Mary. Um, I think it's amazing all the themes that were coming out. And I, I just think the, the, the two that struck me being that there's this bringing the whole of who she is, you know, um, Minnie was saying about kind of her spirit, her body, everything, everything is being, and we talked about her experience as well, um, bringing all of her, her pain, um, her waiting, all of that into praise. So, so there's, there's, I think if we, if we gloss over it, the passage, we can think it's a, it's a praise song that is um, is done in a way that w comes from a place of um, happiness. But actually, all of her, all of her, her pain, her fear, her waiting, her experience is brought into a place of praise. And I think that's a beautiful picture that we've drawn together this morning. And also this uh, theme of of her vulnerability, her willingness to submit, her willingness to. Um, to come in in trust, to trust God for what he has for her, to be, she was vulnerable in the situation she was in already, but she was making herself humble, willing, and submissive to God in her, um, in her response. And then uh, also this idea of just opening up our lives in a fresh way uh, to, to make space for all that God wants to do and to be challenged by his word and to be challenged um, and to, to allow uh, for him to come and, and shift things around in our house. Um, that picture of the inn uh, being, being, having no room, but actually opening the door, making room, and allowing God to shift things around, challenge our preconceptions of, of uh, where we sit within this kind of power uh, sphere of whether we're at the, at the top um, and people with power or whether we are the hungry. Um, thank you all for engaging um, so beautifully with that. I think um, the, there's, uh, with, with a passage that's so well known, known like this, I, I love when we can really kind of immerse ourselves in it in a way that it becomes more than just words on a page, but something that we try and understand the experience that perhaps Mary uh, was having, and then we can respond to it uh, with a more lived uh, experience of how uh, we understand God's word to us. So I'm going to leave this up here, but I'm just going to pray as we finish.